Hello and welcome. My name is Alice and this is the Backtracker History Show podcast, where I ask you to join me on a meander down through the archives to find out more about the people, places and events from the past. Most of these podcasts have been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. And one of the great things about this podcast is that I can go into more detail about each story because there are no time constraints. And it's really easy to show your support just by spreading the word, leaving reviews and sharing with all your family and friends. It really does help. If you want to get in touch with me with show ideas, comments or information, you can via Twitter or Facebook by using at UK the capital B, capital T and a capital UK or emailing me at info at backtracker.co.uk Now, on with the show. Our story today takes place in 1942. And that was the year when, in January, on the 16th, American film actress Carol Lombard and her mother were among all 22 killed aboard a TWA Flight 3 when the Douglas DC-3 plane crashes into Potosi Mountain near Las Vegas while she was returning from a tour. February the 25th saw the Battle of Los Angeles where over 1,400 AA shells were fired at an unidentified, slow-moving object, which was probably a meteorological balloon, in the skies over Los Angeles. The appearance of the object triggers an immediate wartime blackout over most of Southern California, with thousands of air raid wardens being deployed throughout the city. At least five deaths are related to the incident. Despite the several-hour barrages, no planes are down. On April 12th, Disney's Bambi is released in theatres everywhere. On April 27th, the Jewish Star of David is required for all Jews in Netherlands and Belgium. Jews in other Nazi-controlled countries have already been wearing it. On May 31st to June 1st, Japanese midget submarines infiltrate Sydney Harbour in Australia in an attempt to attack Allied warships. On June 4th to June 7th, we saw the Battle of Midway, where the Japanese naval advance in, on the Pacific island is halted. And on July the 6th, Anne Frank's family goes into hiding in an attic above her father's office in an Amsterdam warehouse. But the event we'll be talking about today spanned the 28th and the 29th of June in 1942 and happened in Western Supermare, also known as Weston, which is a seaside town in Somerset, England. Weston Supermare saw two nights of horror, which saw more than a hundred people killed, hundreds more injured, and many landmarks levelled by 52 high-explosive bombs and more than 10,000 savage incendiary devices. The incendiary devices, which were made from magnesium, were designed to penetrate through roofs before exploding and starting a raging fire. 
The flames emanating from the crumbling ruins could be seen from Wales, as Weston suffered its worst days at war. But through the inferno, thousands of Westonians emerged to play vital roles in saving hundreds of lives. It all started on the evening of June the 28th, in clear and warm conditions. German planes soared above Weston, and at just after 1am, they began their assault on the town. On the 29th, the bombers returned at about 2am, and once again the town suffered a battering, with Orchard Street in particular being devastated by high-explosive bombs. Word of the Week. And for this week's word, I'm proud to give you... Zoanthropy, which is a delusion of a person who believes himself changed into an animal. The rescue operation in Western Supermare was particularly difficult as it was the tourism season, and the town's population had significantly swelled for the summer, meaning it was hard to ascertain how many people were in each building and who was not accounted for. Town centre buildings suffered immense damage, with many of the main streets lined with rubble, broken glass and bodies. The Defoli Cinema in the Boulevard and Lance's department store, where Argos currently stands, were flattened by the explosions. The Bourneville estate also suffered significant damage during the raids. But why Western? This blitz was one of the Bdaker raids, which were targeting tourist destinations well known to the people on the continent who followed the famous Bdaker guidebooks, which listed all the places of holiday value in Britain. You see, Britain had bombed a city in northern Germany called Lübeck and burned it down. In retribution, Hitler decreed that he would bomb Canterbury, York, Bath, Exeter and Weston, among others. Another thing that made Weston Supermare quite a good target was that there were aircraft factories and secret weaponry being developed at the old pier and the main cable office between England and the United States was in Richmond Street, so there were many reasons to target the town. In 1836, the Western Urban District Council and Axbridge Rural District Council formed a Civil Defence Air Raid Protection Scheme, ARP, which boasted 4,000 members. Western was completely reliant on volunteers to cope with the effects of any German attack which would target the area. The ARP formed teams to protect Western's residents during the war, ranging from first aid to gas decontamination. The ARP's hundreds of volunteers played a pivotal role in tackling the aftermath of German attacks and saved many lives throughout the war, particularly in the wake of Weston's worst blitz. On Tuesday the 30th of June 1942, German radio proclaimed that the damage to Weston Supermare was more serious than it has ever been caused by raids on a similar scale. Heavy damage was done to military installations and war industry plants by high-explosive and incendiary bombs. Reconnaissance planes observed that fires were still raging and the town was covered in a pole of black smoke. (laughs) 
What follows now are a few stories of people who were honoured for their bravery and help during the Western Blitz. The London Gazette announced that Mr Henry Cox, B.E.M., aged 63, of 16 Dudley Cross, Horfield, Bristol, had been granted the George Medal. Mr Cox won the Empire Medal eight months previously for working for two hours during bombing to rescue a buried woman. Mr William James Ty, aged 51, of 17 Heron Road, Eastern Bristol, had been given the British Empire Medal. Medical officer of a mobile unit in the local casualty service, Dennis Owen Clark of Western Supermare, is made an MBE. Describing their bravery, the Gazette said, During an air raid, a house was demolished, and five people were buried in the debris. Cox cut a hole in the floorboards and reached a woman whom he released. He then came to a boy who was buried, lying on his back. Cox removed some debris by hand, freed the boy, and turning on his own back, was able to drag him out. William Ty and Dennis Clark then went into the tunnel to try to release a girl whose legs were pinned between boxes which were taking the weight of several tons of debris. This could not be moved without the risk of killing two other trapped people. Although the whole structure was liable to collapse, Cox and Ty worked relays and with their bodies shielded the young child from falling masonry and rubble, receiving cuts to their heads. Periodically, Dr Clark went in the small opening to administer morphia and finally to perform the delicate operation of amputating the girl's leg. But this was found to be unnecessary and after five hours she was released. Cox and Ty showed great courage and devotion to duty, and the calmness and efficient demeanour of Dr. Clark inspired confidence in the victims and rescuers. A Western Supermare fireguard, Mr. Robert John Payne, caretaker of Bourneville Estate School, was awarded the British Empire Medal for burrowing into the debris of a bombed and blazing building to rescue eight people after three and a half hours' work. He showed coolness and courage with a total disregard of his own safety and later organised a fire party which put out the blaze. Book of the Week This week's offering is a quirky little book that I discovered called The Invisible Life of A.D. LaRue by the New York Times bestselling author V.E. Schwab. It starts off in France in 1714 in a moment of desperation when a young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. And then begins the extraordinary life of A.D. LaRue and a dazzling adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a young woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after nearly 300 years, when A.D. stumbles across a young man in a hidden bookstore and he remembers her name. News just in from the Flat Earth Society, who are finding social distancing has been particularly stressful. They fear such measures will push someone over the edge. 
the Backtracker History Show. Stories from the past, brought back to life. Yes, you're listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's perfectly simple. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at Backtracker UK, with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. Or you could email me direct at info at backtracker.co.uk. And now, here's one of my favourite stories of heroism, from the Western Supermare Blitz. It was announced in the London Gazette that the King was pleased to give an expression of commendation for brave conduct in civil defence to a 13-year-old schoolboy, John Miles, the eldest son of Mr and Mrs A. H. Miles, of the Woodlands, Mangotsfield Road, Staple Hill, Bristol. He formerly lived at 12 Trewitha Park, Western Supermare, and did great work putting out incendiary bombs and climbing on roofs to do so. The fire guard officer said he was an outstanding case of devotion to duty. During his ordeal on the roofs, high explosives destroyed a house nearby. When asked, he told a local reporter, I was getting through the trap door into the roof when I was overcome by fumes. I was dizzy and falling down the ladder when the stirrup pump sprayed my face with water and woke me up. And remember, this boy was only 13. Another hero to get a medal was Miss Eileen Firkins of 2 Atlantic Road, Western Supermare. A Red Cross nurse who was injured at a first aid post which was damaged, but continued to work for 90 minutes before going to hospital. After the Blitz in Western Supermare, Bristol police were called in to assist in the identification of a family of four, a husband, wife and two children, who were killed in the air raid. They were accompanied by a mother of either the man or the woman, and the family arrived in town on Saturday for a holiday. There were nine people in the house, which received a direct hit. Five were killed, one being the 18-year-old daughter of the occupier, and Mr Albert Gardner. All the others were sent to the hospital, suffering from injuries. Mr A. Lewis, brother-in-law of the occupier, said, All we know is that the name of the family is Wood. The mother, who is aged about 70, keeps asking, Is my son all right? Or, is my daughter all right? So that we cannot say if Mr Wood is her son, or her son-in-law. The identities were later confirmed as Mr and Mrs Ernest Wood, with their daughters, Janet and Patricia, of the bungalow Shellards Road, Longwell Green in Hallam. The War Emergency Inquiry Bureau at the centre, Bristol, did useful work in connection with Weston's ordeal. On the following Monday morning, immediate steps were taken to secure copies of the official casualty lists, and as soon as these had been obtained, they were posted inside the Bureau. On the Tuesday, more than 1,500 people made inquiries about the safety of friends and relations, and the same steady stream of callers was maintained the following day. The Council of Social Service had also been able to help Bristol's neighbour in a more direct way. In response to an urgent call, Miss Bean, who is in charge of the Bristol Bureau, together with members of the voluntary staff, immediately went to Weston, where they started work dealing with inquiries and with the organisation of a searcher service. 
This means that a staff of runners is sent out to deal with inquiries that pour in by post and telegram from all parts of the country. The searchers go out and pursue their inquiries, and the result is transmitted to anxious friends by the quickest possible means. Not everyone in Western Supermare were thinking about others. Four soldiers were sent to prison by Western Supermare magistrates who had an all-day sitting dealing with members of military demolition parties charged with looting from premises damaged during the air raid. Mr G. H. L. Barnes of Western Supermare prosecuting described the offences as particularly mean and despicable. Most of the offences were bound up in the forcing open of a safe containing jewellery which was removed from the debris of a chartered accountant's office. Roland George Arnold, aged 18, John Robert Thomas Tozer, aged 19, and George William Harbottle were each sentenced to six months' hard labour for jointly stealing five rings, a watch-chain necklace and bracelet, valued at £150, and the property of Mr Edric Athelston Savage. But cases against Leonard Briggs, 20, George Edward Moore, aged 19, and Raymond Ivor Body, aged 19, and Leonard Theobald, all for receiving articles from Arnold, were dismissed with warning as the bench felt there was an element of doubt. J. Fry of 22 Union Street, a lorry driver, was also fined £5 for helping Tozer with intent to prevent his apprehension in connection with the offence. A sentence of six months' hard labour was also passed on George Edward Mitchell, aged 21, another soldier, who admitted stealing £25 and 7 shillings in silver from a box among debris. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. Back in the day, facts. Firstly, we'll go right back to 1749, the 16th of January, when a hoax article advertising fictitious theatrical performer The Bottle Conjurer drew huge crowds to the Haymarket Theatre in London, and his inevitable non-appearance caused a riot. It's alleged that Duke of Montague perpetrated the fiasco to win a bet. Also on the 16th of January in 1820, the floating harbour in Bristol froze over as the temperature fell to minus 24 degrees Fahrenheit. On the 18th of January, 1904, Archibald Leach was born in Hawfield, Bristol. He is better known as film star Cary Grant. Alfred Hitchcock once said Cary Grant was the only actor he loved working with, as the two established rapport, working on films such as To Catch a Thief, in 1955 and North by Northwest in 1959. 
On the 19th of January in 1981, Muhammad Ali talks the despondent 21-year-old out of committing suicide. On the 20th of Jan in 1936, Edward VIII succeeds British King George V. After he abdicated to marry Wallace Simpson, though, he was created Duke of Windsor. He controversially met with Adolf Hitler and toured Germany in 1937. His apparent pro-Nazi views made government officials appoint him as governor of the Bahamas. And on the 21st of Jan, 1976, Emma Lee Bunton, English radio and television presenter, singer, songwriter and actress, was born. She rose to fame in the 1990s as a member of the Spice Girls, in which she was nicknamed Baby Spice.